You're listening to the podcast of Always Forward, the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America, helping plant gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. For more information and resources, please visit always-forward.com. All right, exciting episode today. We have a, we have a, a very important topic, very scholarly uh, theological topic today. So, Dan, could you just not be such a jerk about it? <laughs> it gets straight to the punch. <laughs> so here, here is here's the topic we're discussing today. One that I think is vital to the future and health of our movement as Anglicans in North America and the globe. That's how important this is. It's this: how to be an Anglican and not a jerk. Okay, that's the that's that's our, that's our conversation today. And you may laugh, but every Anglican knows that we actually we need to have a timeout and talk about this, right? Like we, we do. That's we right. we need to gather around the table family and say, meeting. family meeting. <laughs> can we talk about this? Um, and Dan and I were sitting around thinking of what are what are some good helpful um, conversations that we can have with church planters, and we're coming up with topics, but then we're also having this side discussion about like, can we be Anglicans without being jerks? We thought that maybe we should just have that conversation uh, with our church planters. And so, so this is kind of coming from a few places, right? If we can kind of just paint the picture of where, what's the premise for this this assumption? Yeah. Every denomination or religious tradition has its um, reputations, right? Its impressions. And um, we don't have to go through all of those. I won't <laughs> even dare. But we know what we're talking about. Anglicans... Um, can tend to be, and especially as, and you know, Dan, you were raised up in the Anglican tradition. I was not. And we both Is, noticed this. Are you saying that I've been a jerk for a long time? No, than I'm you? just saying we're saying? coming at this from two perspectives, okay, all right. helpful perspectives. All right. And so we're wondering um, if, and there, there's something kind of, in other words, in the tradition, in our experience, something culturally in the water of Anglicanism that we both acknowledge sets up people to have a certain kind of disposition. Um, sometimes this can come across kind of stuffy. Sometimes this can come across um, a little inhospitable. Pretentious. Pretentious. Ostentatious. And we're wondering, and this is basically the question, can Conceded. we? <laughs> we could go on. Is there a way Pompous. that we can, <laughs> dear Lord, help us? Is there a way that we could separate um, that unhealth from the beauty of the Anglican way? Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. And that's really the question we're asking, right? Right. So, So we're framing this... Basically, in in three ways, or, or in three sort of um, movements, if you will. Uh, one, are Anglicans jerks? Like we need to talk about. That. Is there is there is there a, a foundation for what we're discussing here today? Uh, secondly, how do Anglicans become jerks? Like, what's the process of metamorphosis? <laughs> what's the discipleship um, into yeah. jerkdom? Yeah, how do right. how do you? I mean, is it when the bishop lays hands on you oh, at Lord. confirmation that he? infuses jerkdom in you or when does that that happen um and so we're gonna talk about that and then we're gonna talk about what to do about it how to avoid it if it has not yet happened to you how to avoid it and if it has how do you repent and become unjerky well and let's be fair just to, again i feel like we need to massage the premise a little bit here um human beings can be jerks sure so there's like we're we're not off on the great foot here um but in particular, there's something in the water with Anglicanism. Dan, where do you where do you think that you see this kind of quality 
in Anglicanism? Where, where would you run into this? Okay, so, so if we're starting to address, are Anglicans jerks, right? This is what you're asking. Right? This yeah. is the first movement, right? I mean, okay, so evidence for Anglican jerkdom. Um, um, <laughs> exists exists in many places, but uh, but if you just want Exhibit A, go to any Anglican Facebook discussion. Ooh. Period. Um, yes. I I have been called not a Christian uh, on a, like I don't engage in these conversations hardly ever um, because they just make me mad. Um, I and, stay away too. And they're fruitless. Like I don't ever. And then, you know, every now and then, it's, you know, every now and then I make a mistake and I type something and I go, why did I even do that? I mean, that sort of happened accidentally. I shouldn't even be on this. Um, but but uh, it doesn't matter uh, uh, how, what what uh, you're talking about. Eventually people kind of get to the point of going, I don't even think you're a Christian. And you go, <laughs> because our churchmanship right. differs? I don't know about it. Now I recognize there's part of the culture that we're living in that's so polarized and yeah, but we as Anglicans have a tendency to, uh, to, to be jerky in a particular way. Yeah. This, our tradition of jerkiness goes much deeper than contemporary political issues. I right? think, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that some of the, some of the places you can see this is that our, our worship, if we are not intentionally missional and intentionally hospitable and intentionally welcoming, uh, we we like the finer things. We have gold chalices. We've got taste, you know. We, <laughs> we 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 like we like gold chalices. We like we like uh, fine embroidery. We like these sort of things. And then if we and if we get trapped wrapped up in 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 those things of the, the sort of the trappings, w- without an understanding of the gospel that is at the root of it, we we can be very jerky just about how nice our stuff is. Mm. Um, so, do you mostly see this quality on social media, or is that just kind of a, a prominent place that this comes to you? Well, I, I think it's a prominent place right now because it's a place where there's a lot of discussion. But, um, but if you, it, it happens at diocesan synods and whatever else when you get around folks too. It's just you know people say stuff on social media they wouldn't say face to face because they don't That's have true. the guts to um to uh to say Yikes. it to your face. But um but but that that attitude of um of uh, almost sort of jerky witch huntiness of mm. having conversations even with with fellow clergy and they're trying to kind of probe you to figure out well which box do you fit in which are you one of those low church reformed people you're one of those high church anglo-catholic people and there's just a there can just be a thick sense of mm, disdain or mm. contempt in but the here's the thing yeah most there's not a single jerk listening to this podcast Right. Well, at just least to, let's just, just say to making the right, podcast. Right, just besides make, that, yeah. But jerks don't typically identify as such. How how would we help people go? You know what? I got some tendencies here that I should watch out for. What are we need like a top ten? You know, you're a jerk if kinds of um, helps because I don't honestly think that people think know that they're jerks. Yeah, okay. maybe some do, um, but how can we tell? That you know what, like we we've got some work to do here. Um, company, like present company included. Sure. How have we uh, been helped to see those blind spots of what we're calling being a jerk? Yeah, you know that's a good question. I, I mean, I think one you have to have friends who um, who will will um, 
talk to you not just about theology, but about how you're approaching theology mm. or worship or or life in general. Um, and if you don't have any of those people who can actually look at you and go, you're being a jerk in this, it's probably because you've been so jerky that you've run them all off. Wow, so if you don't have any <laughs> friends, you might be a jerk. That's a, right. I mean, I think that uh, I think there's a sense of, and look, I mean, I guess, let me say this. Um, I've been an Anglican my whole life, and uh, and uh, I love Anglicanism. I am one. I this is this is a family discussion in some degree in which I am not separated from. The, I'm like I'm an ENTJ on the Myers Briggs. I'm a high D in the DISC profile. I'm an eight in the Enneagram. Like if you like those things, like <laughs> like, like they all just kind of come out and go. You're a jerk. You're an ENTJ. You're a jerk. <laughs> That's the name you're, of all of those categories. Eight, just the challenger or the, <laughs> the jerk. jerk. Like like I get it. Um, that that I have this in me as well, and so that's why it's good for us to to talk through it. But uh, I'm. <laughs> Folks, I got the world's expert. It's free free therapy for us here. So if people want to know if they're a jerk, they can just ask me. I'll tell them them if they're a jerk. But I think other than that, I mean, I think, honestly, if we roll our eyes at people ever, Mm. we're a jerk. Like, that's just there's just no time when when you roll your eyes and kind of shake your head that that is a compassionate, loving response to anything ever okay this is good i so one way that i ha, i can tell when i'm being a jerk is how i respond to critique so uh like i'll get letters in the mail or from you know folks in my church who are all like super kind and gentle um or i'll hear like critique from other people they'll say you, you know you should do this or that different or or people even have a differing opinion from me and um the, how I handle that critique, whether I'm able to, for instance, when someone comes to you with something that's totally unfounded or just way out there in terms of critique and you just you have every reason to write it off or to, to dismiss it, how you actually manage that feedback will be an indicator, like if you're being a jerk or not. Like, uh, for instance, uh, one thing that I learned over time was even when people are giving you hard feedback, I, I, people have given me feedback about how to be a pastor because I've got a lot of learning to do there. So I get that. Um, and some of it's like really personal, super offensive stuff that I could get really, I could have like righteous anger about maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Um, but instead of getting angry, instead of letting your heart rate go through the roof and your blood pressure like turn your whole body red, uh, I don't even know if that's how that works, but you know what I'm talking about. That's from Anatomy. pretty high blood pressure. Science, right? <laughs> um, instead of all of that erupting like a volcano, uh, one of the things I've learned to do is to say, Lord, is there anything in this that you want me to hear? Yeah. And then be open, actually be open to that, not closed down like a vault, but open not to this person necessarily um, because you don't have to give access to everybody's voice in your life, um, but in a very plain, not too serious kind of way saying, Lord, is there anything here that, you need me to hear. And if there's not, then move on and set it aside. Um, but also uh, respond to the person with things like, hey, thank you for your input. Or um, I hear you. If you're not thankful, don't lie about it. You can say, I hear you. Thanks. I appreciate right. you having the guts to come and tell me this. You know, But um, any other kind of dismissal can so quickly signal like you're acting like a jerk. So, for instance, we see this on social media. That's just like the punching bag, I guess, because we all see it. But if people are wrong or if people have dissenting views or there's disagreement there, um, where we what we see and recognize is like, oh, that person's being a real jerk right here is the inability to handle disagreement um, with dignity and respect of the other and and still maintain a teachability, a humility without 
without like a false humility there, but like a genuine, right. yeah, you know, I think we just see things different here. You never see that on Facebook. Yeah. No one ever says, I think we're coming at this from two different perspectives, and I respect that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you might be a jerk if you can't handle critique very well. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I mean, yes, I think you're 100% right. And, and I think that um, sometimes we mistake um, being prophetic or Ooh. or being about justice or about purity. Isn't it our calling to be a jerk for Jesus? <laughs> I mean, I think we mistake those those. That was things. sarcasm, um, by the way. We mistake being a jerk for being those things, or we justify our jerkiness for that. Um, that uh, and and this is where I think you know if we're still answering our Anglicans jerks. Uh, yes, there are jerks everywhere, and everybody has their different kinds of jerks. Um, uh, our, I think our particular brand of jerkiness moves around the area of pretentiousness. Like it just mm. comes from, uh, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter your churchmanship. Like if you are an Anglo-Catholic, you can be a, a jerk because you you look down at those those low church Anglicans that that they're not even true Anglicans because they don't they don't move the bookmark at the right time. I don't right. even know, you know I don't know what that's called. Maybe you can answer that. The but uh, um, that uh, you know I like. I think they're called ribbons. <laughs> that um i mean y- you can be y- you can y- if people who are not christians are listening you to, to you talk to other anglicans and go man what's wrong with that guy yeah. like that's not that's not prophetic that's not justice that's just being a jerk on the same side the you can get low church um uh um more reformed folks that want to say things like um, yeah, I don't, I don't wear one of those dresses on Sunday, mm. you know? I mean, there's just, there's, there's insulting aspects of that. There's, um, there's pejorative aspects. It shows an ignorance, but a, a pretentiousness about your own stance on it. And it's just jerky. Like it's just, uh, I mean, it's ch- it's not a, well, we want to fight for pure Anglicanism. Um, well, I think understanding Anglicanism is understanding that there's a breadth of that. Um, and so we need to stop just being snobbish in the way that we handle things. Yeah. And I think part of, so I, I hear what you're saying. There's kind of this, and I love like British culture, but there is this kind of like British pretense yeah. that's somehow culturally just in the grain of Anglicanism. Part of it's, I don't know how that, mm-hmm. but, but so I see that there's this kind of top down uh, pretense, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also another aspect that I've noticed in Anglicanism that can be this real like fundamentalism in Anglicanism mm-hmm. um, that is that really quickly just turns into just nastiness. Yeah, that is um, another the other side of what you're talking about sounds like this uh, almost the same thing. But it sounds like, um, look, unless unless you're preaching this way or for this long or, uh, you know, unless you're making a big deal about this or that, you are. You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian church. You're not doing it the right way. There's some, you're some sort of her, heretic. You're some brand of heretic. And because fundamentally, here's what's important, and anything apart from that, um, we, we just can't be hospitable to. And I think, so that's kind of a bottom up, like here are the fundamentals that are non-negotiable. And if you're not on the on, on uh, in agreement with us about these things, we can't even relate to one another. I think what's at the heart of both, perhaps the pretense top down, the fundamentalism bottom up, if that's a way of helping us think through this, is a fear of uh, losing something. Mm, yeah. 
Sure. It's fear for sure. I'm, I'm curious if we drill down a little bit more. What are we afraid of when whether you're the fundamentalist kinds of jerks or the pretentious kinds of jerks are attacking? What what's really motivating there in Anglicanism? Um, what are we afraid of losing? Yeah. And is is there a, is there maybe something that we can um, speak to that fear that would actually heal that for us culturally as Anglicans? Because we could call this out all day, Dan, you and right. I like we could sure. have make sport out of this. Sure. But does Jesus have a word for us here? Does the Holy Spirit bring healing? Is there ways for us to, even if we have to overcompensate for a period of time, right. habituate um, new new practices, new motivations, a new heart for Anglicanism? You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so let me unpack your question because I think you just asked a big, broad question here. I think we're, where we're starting to move in that question is how how does this happen to us right yeah. how do how do we become uh how do we how do we end up becoming uh sort of anglican jerks in this um and it, I, I mean i think it's just in observing the process in a number of folks over the years including uh including myself in various ways um i, I think anglicanism has a we're unique i mean we're just we're unique from many other traditions um and and definitely unique from the world um as just as christians hopefully we are um but as people um particularly people from other traditions come into anglicanism and they and they uh, they find the beauty of what is here. There's a richness. There's a beauty. Um, we don't have to be ashamed of that in any way. I mean, I think I think what we do is really good, um, and I think that what we do is really beautiful, and I think what we do is really right. I do. Um, but um, but people uh, either um, either experience Anglicanism in a particular way, um, and then uh, and then any challenge to that they they reject as not wholesomely anglican um or or they learn it they 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 find oh this is so much better than the mega church i came from or there's a richness in this in a tradition i never knew christians existed in my other church uh, before uh, before now i thought we were the first ones because we just haven't valued the christian history and so there the pendulum swings from from a wow this is really interesting to this is the only thing that's right and good and everything else is uh-huh. lesser right um and when anything else is lesser we become jerks about it um and and we forget that we went on that journey and so anybody who's not as far along in the journey as we are we can get uh, we can lack compassion for them um and i think that's the source of a lot of our jerkiness yeah i think you're right i th- and i wonder if um, if we can kind of loosen when this is probably reaching into the, the last part of our conversation, how, how to avoid this stuff. But if we can begin to identify what it is that motivates us, we stand a chance at actually interacting with that yeah. and, and giving that in, in repentance, giving that up to the Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is a, a very much a strong fear of losing something on either side either losing something that's like unique to anglicanism well if we don't do it this way it's compromising anglicanism yeah um but you know one of the questions that haunts me is um we what about compromising like being a disciple of jesus (laughs) can we preserve anglicanism anglicanism and yet compromise something about being a disciple Um, i think we often can um or even uh, if it's not being motivated by fear, perhaps there's a motivation to, um, I don't know what, what the right word is here, but I'm thinking of 
people who um, enter into a conversation or interact in such a way that there's a strong need to be victorious yeah. and to be to assert their voice and their opinion because if they don't, uh, these people may get it wrong mm-hmm. or they need to respect the, the, the perspective that I'm bringing to this table and if it's not being respected, then they're basically just heretics. They're on the outside. Yeah. So that kind of, um, may, uh, perhaps that's like a need to win, a need to mm-hmm. be right, mm-hmm. uh, which is still motivated by a fear of losing or a fear of, yeah. uh, of um, compromising something that's like really sacred and central to us. It's, yeah. I think it's worthwhile spending some time as we, uh, before we engage in those things and even while we're engaging in those conversations or, and even afterwards reflecting, okay, how did that go? Like kind of an examine. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, I think there, there's so many different aspects of Anglicanism too. I mean, just so there's so many things that are unique and so many things that we feel strongly about. Um, I think that, um, and, and maybe we're starting to blur a little bit here and how do we become jerks and what to do about it um, as well. But um, um, I, I think that there is a sense of um, being able to, as you said, ask, ask questions um, and try to see where the other people are coming from. Um, but then but then again, recognize that there is some breadth. And I think one of the one of the things that we have to do as Anglicans is to be very careful to be sure that what we're defending is the right thing to defend like i i remember um uh someone getting very angry that um, some of the churches in our diocese didn't call their lay governing body uh the vestry they called it something else um you know the the whatever, parish council parish or, council or whatever or yeah something. yeah so okay so you might say as an anglican we call them vestries and here's why Okay, that's that's fine. But I don't think this is the place where we need to die. Right. Like, I don't think this is the place where we break our Christian brotherhood over. Um, and, and it always comes back to that claim that I mean, I think you so wisely pointed out a, a sense of losing something. You know, that that one of the comments that one of the people made about this was that they said, um, if we continue to um capitulate to the greater Christian culture and lose our Anglican identity, we're not going to have anything left. Mm. And so I completely get that. But okay, um, that's one conversation about what do you call this body? First of all, we have to understand, we have to look more deeply into what is our polity system and why does it work the way that it does and what is the role of that group? That's really what we want to maintain, right? That, because that's what we think is grounded in the scripture and, and tradition as well. Um, so that's one conversation. Now, um, now, another conversation that I remember being a part of was, uh, was whether or not we should fence the table at the Eucharist. See, to me... That's a different conversation. That's not a, um, well, I understand that some people are kind of coming along in the process. That's a, that is part of our understanding of the Eucharist and what, and, and what the Eucharist is and how we approach the Eucharist in a place that we don't have, that we're in submission to our tradition over. I don't think we're necessarily in submission to our tradition over whether we should call it a vestry or not, right? Um, but that's where there's going to be some discussions about what things are just absolutely essential that we have to fight over. The problem is, is that I think that we've, that, that in our culture in general, but, but in the, in our Anglican church that we're discussing today, we've lost the ability to do that. Like, really, are you going to, you are going to to make your relationship strained because they call it a parish council rather than a vestry, even though it functions in exactly the same way as your vestry does. 
are we really losing an Anglican essential in this? And because then what tends to happen is they tend to take you and go, oh, you called a parish council. You must be one of these low church. Right. You don't care about the tradition. You don't blah, blah. I mean, like all these assumptions from it as well. We just got to be more wise than that. In totally. Our interactions. And if, even if you look back in Anglican history, let alone Christian history, the number of we can't lose on these kinds of topics or issues, the number of times we've come up to those things and lost yeah. or things have changed. People have experienced profound loss, even as Anglicans, throughout change, throughout since Cramner to now, you know, even before then, like, can we have uh, the mass in English, you know, and not Latin? Are you got to be kidding me. Can we have the Bible in English? Some of these things that were, seem to be central to things that just cannot change or else it's going to compromise the very nature of our faith. Um, we have we have like lost in those things. And yet we're still here. And yet there's a diversity, a beautiful diversity of Anglicanism globally that has been allowed to flourish in a very hospitable space. So yeah. to be a jerk as an Anglican should be really hard for us, given our own history and our own heritage, which has been one of, and I think one of its gifts, one of the most hospitable, diverse, varying opinions kind of families in the Christian world. And uh, we, 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 would be, we would do well to examine, like, what, what is it about the gift of Anglicanism that sets us up to not have to win every battle and to not have to um, have it our way, whatever that is, um, that, uh, that, the, that the tradition can give to us and we can really take on and give to our parishes and start creating that kind of culture even in our, in our local parish. But it does start with us. And if we are church planters and we're looking at our church going, man, I got all these Anglicans who they're super tough. You know, they, they want it this way, and I get all these complaints all the time, and, and they're pretentious, or they're fundamentalists, or they're just jerks, you know. Um, preaching a sermon series isn't going to loosen up jerks. Uh, even reading a book together, praying together, like, God help us, um, that's yeah. probably one of the more effective things. But I think, in the end, and this, I think, might be a good segue for us, we have to model what it looks like to not be a jerk as an Anglican. Yeah. People got to see it. Yeah. 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 You know, you bring up a good point in bringing up global Anglicanism as well, because most every Anglican is very excited that we're a part of a global communion. Of, right. Depends on who you ask. 70 to 90 million Anglicans. I say like 500 million. Uh, <laughs> We're, it feels like that, right? It's just, you know, we like to say things like we're the third biggest um, body of Christians in the world. I, I mean, we, lo we love to say that. Now, over the last couple of years, I've, I've had the blessing of being involved more and more globally within church planting and the Anglican communion and such. And the amount of diversity in our global Anglican communion uh, should make us pause whenever we say uh, – because you do that, you're probably not Anglican. Right. Uh, because, I mean, like I remember, <laughs> seriously, we, we, <laughs> we were in a church planting uh, meeting at one point, and um, there was somebody there from from the Church of Ireland, faithful believer in Christ, um, who made the comment that um, he'd been in ministry like thirty or forty years, something like that, and he said, "And I've never put on a stole." Wow. Okay. Now, as North American Anglicans. Um, most even most of our really low church folks at least put on a stole like we kind of go that's lowest common denominator right um you'd at least put on a stole now when the person said this he had on his clergy collar right and so they had a sense of clergy collar is 
lower church than a stole is, whereas we t- sometimes kind of go backwards with that, right? right? And so my point is, um, if you talk to Sydney Anglicans, man, they're like they're lower church than you could ever imagine. And so if you look at somebody and say, you don't do this, you're too low church, you're, you're probably not an Anglican. You've really just said basically most of England and Ireland and New Zealand and Australia are right. all not truly Anglicans. But then if you go to Nigeria, there's robes and there's, uh, and there's, there's pomp and circumstance and, and ceremony and yep. rite and ritual. And so we just have to be really careful about one, an experience of local custom that we think is the right way to do it. Right. Or even beyond that, regional custom. Like in North America, we are a little more higher church than a good portion of the world. And we just, and that's okay. Praise um, the Lord. That's, that's, that's all right. <laughs> right. Um, but so we've got to be real careful. I mean, if we start thinking we have the, the only way or the best way and that we have to, to put down other people who aren't, who aren't doing it the same way that we are, we are ourselves are in danger of not really being Anglican because being Anglican is being diverse. Mm. It's just at the heart Truly. of who we are. So how do we keep from being jerks? Yeah. Let's give like our, you know, top pointers of what we have. Right. And, and not that this is a comprehensive list, but um, <laughs> let me kick us off. I okay. think one way to think through um, how to not become a jerk is to begin with how you respond to jerks in the mm. first place. Yeah. Because you may not be able to see this in yourself. And that's okay for now. Um, but when you know that you're interacting with someone who's just not being really nice, being kind of a jerk about things, how do you respond? Um, I would say resist the temptation of becoming a jerk to defeat a jerk. Hmm. So often it, that's where jerks are born. <laughs> right? They get hooked in. They take the bait on something. Yeah. And before you know it, you're in there throwing punches. <laughs> this is with not the rest jerkiness. This is righteous indignation. Right, sure. Whatever you right. want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're being a jerk. <laughs> Uh, so we've got to come up with better ways of responding to yeah. jerks. What are some ways that uh, let, let's I don't know. I don't want to like role play this or something, but right. let's <laughs> imagine interacting with people that are super tough. Uh, I kind of offered one of the things I, I try to practice to do is, is say um, thanking someone for their perspective or I hear you um, or even opting to like not get into it, I think is totally fine. Right. Um, or even weighing. Here's a question that I often find myself asking. Let's say I win this. What changes? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why do I need to win this? Mm-hmm. Do I need to win this? Mm-hmm. Who? Who? Who wins if I win? Mm-hmm. And who loses if I win? Mm-hmm. Like, what's at stake? And do I want to even enter into this? So, for instance, all the time on social media, there's lots of good conversation going on. Then there's these like arguments that happen. And I so often think, so what do we gain when there's a crowned winner of this thing? Right. What changes? Uh, the only thing it seems to be lost is like a great deal of friendship or collegiality and time. Mm-hmm. Um, like a ton of words are spent on things. Mm-hmm. Let's say you win on online or socially and you know like i don't know assembly or something mm-hmm. what do you really win it seems like not much it doesn't seem to outweigh the price of admission into the fight in the first place does that make sense yeah i, I mean uh, yeah and it can be also i think if in responding to jerk if if we respond and this has to be one of those like disciplined things because our our like knee-jerk reaction is going to want to to like duke it out but i think if we can we can short circuit that cycle of Anglican jerkiness when we offer a different way forward 
um, that is kind, that is teachable, that is humble. And I think it's actually really surprising. Uh, and we see this, I'd say, m what I'm thinking of is like the, cir the circle, the cycle of violence in the world. Uh, when we look to Jesus, right. he doesn't return violence for violence because how's that been working out for us, <laughs> you know? But instead um, takes violence and suffers yeah. willingly. And what that does is actually produces an out of the violence. It produces yeah. a healing. It produces life, the opposite. Yeah. So I, I think we can do the same thing in the violence of jerky conversations. We can offer, you know what, I'll take some punches here, but I'm going to offer something different than what I'm receiving is a, is a really strong place to begin. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the word that you are that you are describing and, and shooting all around the edges of is holiness, right? I think that's what it is. I think that's, I think ultimately that's the way that you win, quote unquote, your argument is, is if you've engaged in it with holiness. And so if we're having a churchmanship discussion um, about whether we should wear stoles or not, um, that, um, that, that if you, you're probably not going to out yell the other person right. and then have them go, you're right. I'm going to go run and put on a stole <laughs> right. um, or the opposite or yeah, I'm, I'm burning all my stoles now after this conversation. I think that, um, I, I think that if they can walk away from that going, I, I, I cannot believe that this guy thinks that we shouldn't wear stoles or that we should wear stoles. Right. But I tell you, um, uh, he's one of the holiest guys that I know. Mm. Um, is going to make me consider why they do what they do um, um, based on how they live their life and who they are um, and their understanding of the gospel. And to me, you're going to bring more um, you're going to bring more people over to your side of the argument through holiness than you are by jerkiness. Yeah. So like, is it Peterson or Willard who says, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't know which said this, but the discipline of not having the last word. Hmm. I, it, I Willard, right? I think, I think it's probably it Willard. I think um, somebody can email us and let us know. Yeah, they will. I'm sure yeah. I, this is like, this is super key. So in these conversations, um, try not to have the last word, let the other person yeah. have the last word. Yeah. And that could be one of the most, um, generous things to do in terms of holiness and kindness. Let them have the last word. Yeah. Um, that could be an easy practice to kind of short circuit. Yeah. I, I think the other thing too is, uh, I think, um, we tend to we tend to argue a lot about the what when the problem really is an understanding or a remembering of the why. Mm. Everything that we do in our worship as Anglicans is supposed to point to Jesus and help proclaim the gospel. Um, our church calendar, our sacraments, our our vestments, our music, our liturgy, our polity, everything is supposed to point back to uh, a fidelity to the scriptures um, and, uh, and a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of his name. Um, and, and so if we remember why we do all of these things, um, then our discussions about differences of, of mechanics and practice um, they will go much differently totally. um, if 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 we know that what we share is the gospel, um, and then we can have we can have fun discussions about we things. Can about learn some these something. Things. I mean, we can we can mock each other gently. Um, mock, I, I have mock, such a great <laughs> mock me gently mock me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I have such a great story about this though. I was um, there was a picture taken during a worship service, and I was it was during celebration of the Holy Eucharist, and I I was holding something. Uh, I was holding the host. Um, I was elevating the host when when I shouldn't be. I forget exactly what happened. 
And uh, one of my um, professors at Neshota House, we were talking about class. Or I don't know what we're talking about, but it was the most beautiful conversation. It really left an impression on me because this, this, this professor asked me, hey, I saw this picture online. <laughs> and you were doing this. Uh, help me understand why you were doing this. And it was wrong, and I bo- we both realized it was wrong. And I, you know how you get into the practice of liturgics, and sure. you don't sometimes you don't think like, oh, what, this is I wasn't trained to do this. Why am I doing this? Sometimes yeah. that happens for right. me at least. Yep. Well, this professor called and said, "Help me understand why you're doing this." And I said, "Well, there's actually a pastoral reason why I was doing this because we we're uh, celebrating facing east, and people couldn't see what it is that I was." Um, saying or uh, they couldn't hear what I was saying and they couldn't see what I was pointing to and so I elevated out of function and the, my professor said oh that's I, that's so pastoral mm-hmm. like that's so kind mm-hmm. and even in our conversation I realized hey but that's not that doesn't make a lot of sense does it right. um, or there's no kind of precedent for that right. and for me um, that, that like really matters I want to I don't want to be innovating things uh, even if it's just like super functionally you know like pragmatically it makes sense I, w- I want to know why we're doing things and I want to have like um, some thought behind those things. But I realized, oh, this practice that I have uh, wasn't quite right. And so I could take this correction from him. But I think if he would have come at me saying, you know what you're doing is wrong, I would have had a totally different response and we would have had a different conversation. Right. But even if you're talking about the why, that's a great way to enter into these conversations to ask, hey, help me understand why you do this. Well, explain why this is the practice. It, Help me understand. Help me uh, learn more about why it is that you do this, because in these different and varying contexts, there actually you may find there may be a really good reason for this. The why may be there, um, or it may not be, and you can kind of open the conversation mm-hmm. to it gently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's another way to avoid being a jerk. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, and and to value. I think another way is to to value the discussion, because like um, I, I recently had a conversation with uh, with a friend about. Um, uh, orientation at celebrating the Eucharist, right? At Orientum. At was this Populum. with me? No, it was not. Okay. Um, I have other friends besides. Me. <laughs> there's an, there's another one. I don't know about that. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Um, that uh, um, and and I love the d- discussion because we both had our own thoughts on it, but to understand, no, this is why I feel passionately about this. In in to to hear to hear another perspective from someone who loves Jesus and the Anglican church and liturgy and the sacrament and say, this is why my back is to the people. Uh, this is why. And, and right. to hear his pastoral heart for it and his, his heart for the majesty of God. And then for me to be able to say, here's why I love facing the people in this and what we can, and that we can go, we don't both have to go, Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Or, but we can say we get, we have a more holistic understanding of the sacrament mm. i think um because there's truth in both of those those conversations and we can we can have that conversation without one of us being a heretic and the other one not right absolutely the, i think the last thing i would say to how to avoid being a jerk would be and we touched on this a little bit throughout our conversation so far is examining the motivations for why we feel like we need to win and why we're afraid of losing um is it because if if we is something like personally compromised in us if we lose this argument? Um, and maybe the best thing we can say, even without understanding all of those motivations, maybe the best thing we can do in the moment of realizing this is like this is a confrontation or this is an argument that I really want to get into or this is an interaction that could potentially or I was a jerk 
and I'm thinking back to the way I interacted, whatever the situation, I think we can hold that uh, kind of in prayer and say, um, even even just ask the Lord, why do I feel like I need to do this? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like I need to win? Like, mm-hmm. S- Holy Spirit, show me what's going on in my own heart, in my soul, that's that's motivating, that's driving me into these places that I, I know I don't really need to even get into, but I just mm-hmm. keep finding myself mm-hmm. there. And another way to do this is to just even ask yourself uh, or to practice losing. Mm. Practice not having the last word. Um, practice not entering into the fight. Uh, and practice uh, in those moments where you have something to say and you could totally correct someone just make a habit like a sp- it could become a spiritual discipline for us as Anglicans to not solve something or set something right or correct others. It right. could be a really helpful practice, a discipline for us, right? Yeah. Can I can I actually volunteer that if anyone would like practice losing that they could just call me and I would help them? <laughs> with, Come on. I'm, I'm just I'm kidding. No, he's dead serious. I'll put his email address. <laughs> On the podcast, um, yeah, I, I would say this last thing too. I, you know, we've talked about churchmanship and such because that's an easy target for these conversations. But I think the other place where I mean, this is a church planting podcast, um, and uh, and the other place where we can uh, recognize that there is that there are issues sometimes um, in this uh, is in jerkiness. I think is our engagement in mission um, that that we want to argue about if somebody is missional enough um, or whether they're really doing the work of mission. And a lot of times church planting can be a little bit um, divisive because some people see church planting as a real threat. And sometimes church planters can get arrogant about that somehow they have the corner on mission and that folks who are serving small churches and pastoral sized churches, that they're not really doing the work of mission uh, and that they're kind of outdated and old and, uh, and aren't, contributing the same thing to the kingdom that they are. Um, and so there can be real real issues in that too. And I think understanding and respecting each person's place of ministry, um, and it's okay for us to spur one another on towards love and good works. And it's okay for us to correct people. That's in the scripture as well. It's not we're not saying you can't correct people, but but I think there's a sense of um of uh, discussion and uh, in 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 humility and how we approach these things to build people up rather than tear them down. Jerks tear people down. I think that's what it comes down. Yeah, to. and you can disagree, right? Right, and you can and we can even like get into conversations about how we disagree. It's again, but it's not the what, but it's like the why. What what are we and the how? How are we actually disagreeing? Can we be the kinds of people that can disagree well? Yeah. Yeah, and I think as Anglicans, although we have a particular kind of jerkiness, I think that what we should be, and you said this well earlier, I think that we should be, if we're actually being faithful Anglicans, um, is that we should be folks who are humble and, and open to a breadth of, of discussions within the boundaries of Scripture. We're not talking about, you know, somebody's going to listen to this and go, oh, they're, they're saying they're that. Off the deep end. Yeah, well, they're way off. They're not, oh, we're moving into universalism. This was the problem that, from that church <laughs> that we left. And no, 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 calm down. Like, we're all faithful to the Scripture, and you can't, and there are things that we don't compromise. But honestly, a lot of our jerkiness doesn't come from the things that, we're not arguing about the things that we can't compromise. Right. Um, um, there's a, there's a, um, we're, we're arguing about things that we should be able to have some differences on. And we just have to be careful about that. And That's the all. good That's news is encourage. the good news at the end of the day is even the gates of hell won't pre- prevail against the church yep. and neither will a bunch of Anglican jerks. 
Yeah, that's right. And and so and so the word that should that should prevail in all of this is grace. Right? Yeah. It's just grace, grace, grace. We have grace with ourselves. We have grace with other people. Um, that um, that that I think grace heals and overcomes jerkiness. That'll preach, baby. You got it. That'll preach. Good stuff. Well, Dan, it's been a good conversation. I hope this has been helpful for you all. Uh, this has been intriguing for us. Uh, we would love to hear your comments and questions. If you could, as always, show your appreciation or interest in this podcast by rating us and liking our episodes we po- uh, as we post them online, that'd be a big help for us. And share them with your friends, those who... <laughs> this would be an interesting episode to share with a friend. <laughs> hey, have a great podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, do it anyways. Why not? Have a good laugh with your friends. And let's let's spread a little bit more grace and kindness and humility in our Anglican family, especially here in the U.S., right? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is the Always Forward Podcast with Sean and Dan. Thanks for listening to the Always Forward Podcast. Visit us at www.always-forward.com for more resources, to submit your questions, or to interact with us. See you next time.